Welcome to the Food for Beauty, where we'll be fine-tuning your reality through lifestyle hacks, wellness, and superfoods, exploring relationships, sensuality, creativity, the unseen, energy frequencies, opening dialogue with inspirational luminaries in all fields, discovering alternative ways of doing things, thinking outside the box for a more enriching life journey. And I am your host, Rochelle. I'm here with Natasha Weber, Astro Tash. She's Australia's leading media astrologer. And I've known Natasha since my Australian days. We used to model together. And then I also remember staying at your house when you used to live at the Melbourne Zoo when your father was like a zookeeper there. I remember we used to wander around the grounds before it would open and we kind of hang out with the apes <laughs> and they throw things at us. I don't know, it was just such a special time. So we do go back a bit <laughs> and now you're doing such incredible things, which is amazing. And thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. We we do go back, don't we? And I have very yeah. fond memories of our our nights at the zoo. Yeah. Often after it closed and we were wandering around in the dark with the monkeys and so on. That's true um, too. Yeah. So <laughs> I guess we were connecting in nature way back then. Yeah. I was really <laughs> magical. When I think back, you know, at the time you kind of take things for granted, but yeah, it's just a very special time. Yeah. So Going into astrology, I guess the first question is, what is astrology? Because it's a very popular yeah. thing. Yeah, I mean, astrology has been around for eons of time. It originated back in the Babylonian days. Right. Um, and astrology has definitely had a resurgence of popularity recently with the millennials, which is dishing up astrology in a more relatable way. But essentially what astrology is, is it's describing the relationship between the celestial bodies, the zodiac and mankind. What right. it's not is about the planets making humans do things. I think that is right. a massive misconception. I believe that with astrology, we are really working in synergy with the universe together at the same time. Uh, so like nice little kind of cosmic teamwork, I suppose. And in doing that, we can learn, we can grow and we can evolve. And I think that that's really what astrology is here to help us to do. Right. So yeah. then how can astrology be used? I guess with relationships, that would be a good place to start yeah well you can definitely look at relationship compatibility when it comes to astrology but I think first and foremost mm -hmm. what astrology can do is it can help to crack open our self-awareness right and then once we're in a place of self-awareness we come to self-acceptance and hopefully okay. self-love and that is when we really establish our healthiest 
and most evolved relationships. And the way that astrology can really help us to do that is through studying, well, as a start, studying our birth charts. So in the birth chart, you will have, of course, your sun sign, which is the most popular version of astrology. Everybody knows their sun sign, and this has become popular with the the horoscope columns, right? Um, Everyone knows whether they're, yeah, so you're either an Aries, a Taurus, or a Gemini, so on. But the birth chart, which is like a map of the heavens at your exact moment of birth, Mm -hmm. that is much more complicated and complex, intricate and beautiful than just a sun sign placement. So in that birth chart, we have our moon sign, for example. We have our Venus sign, Mars sign and so on. Um, because this is like an like someone's taken a photograph of the sky with you at the middle of the center of a 360 degree wheel right. and yeah so your birth chart represents that moment in time which is so unique and so special and through studying this birth chart which is like your cosmic fingerprint i suppose Hopefully you can come to an understanding and acceptance of who you are, what you've incarnated into this life to learn and to grow from, your strengths, your weaknesses, areas to work on, challenges and so on. And so it's a bit of a work in progress, I suppose, our personal astrology. So, okay, we have our sun sign. Aside from our sun sign, what would you say is the most important next part of our chart yeah well the sun sign is really important yeah so you know i i don't want to diminish the sun sign's importance when we talk about Uh all the rest of the chart even though it's been linked to those you know those i actually write horoscope columns so they absolutely can be inspirational and should be taken as such um, uh-huh. But I guess the, I guess there, there are levels of importance because different planets and points in the chart do have more weighting than others. Right. Um, it just depends also on what you're looking for. The moon sign, for example, will represent our, our soul. So it's that deeper level. Some people are more sun sign people. They'll resonate more with the sun qualities because the sun is quite masculine, a yang energy, a very outgoing energy, the basic character, whereas the moon sign is more of an a yin energy or a feminine mm-hmm. principle and it's more inward. So the moon yeah. sign is said to be a deeper layer. So I would maybe say that had equal importance to the sun. And then there's the rising sign. You know, a lot of people know about their rising signs. And can I give you a little hot tip right about now, (laughs) which is (laughs) just talking about the horoscope columns. If you read your horoscope for your rising sign, it's going to be a lot more accurate than if you read it for your sun sign. Really? Yes. That has to do with the way that an astrologer interprets uh, the planetary movements and the horoscopes because it will just line up more accurately with your personal birth chart. And so it's a more accurate reading for you than bunging you in with, you know, the rest of the, the 12 zodiac signs or your sun sign. That's so interesting. That's yeah. a great tip. It's a good one. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, and then there's Venus is super important. Venus represents our love, our relationships, often yeah. um, our moneyscape as well. Mars. Really? Yeah, yeah. And Mars is more about how we assert ourselves. So there are different planetary points 
and positions in that birth chart that are going to represent different areas of a person. Right. As far as building healthier relationships, how can we use astrology to do that? Yeah, well, going back to the compatibility between two people, you'd be looking at two birth charts, right? And yes, and compatibility is basically down to the math when it comes to astrology. And I know that sounds about as unromantic as you can get, (laughs) but it's true. (laughs) Yeah, astrology is is highly mathematical. So in terms of compatibility, what you're doing is you are measuring the mathematical distance between one planet in a person's chart uh, with another planet in a different person's chart. And that distance will determine the astrological compatibility. If I can simplify that a little bit, we would say that all fire signs, all earth signs, all air signs and so on are compatible with each other. Right, that's, really? Yeah. So if, you're, if you belong to the same element as someone, that's, that's a basic compatibility. But right. the reason behind that is the mathematical connection because okay. I, I won't get too technical because um, we might lose some people, but basically just to explain <laughs> it a bit further, um, all, if, you, if you measure the distance between all fire signs and the, and the uh, signs of the same element, it comes down to 120 degrees separating those sun signs. And that is said to be in astrology a highly compatible mathematical distance. Right. But that said, it works the other way as well. So for different distances, there can be lack of compatibility and even, you know, clashes and problems and challenges. But again, we're not just talking about the sun sign. We want to look at your moon signs, particularly when you're talking about uh, romantic compatibility, you definitely want to look beyond the sun sign matches. You want to look at how your moon signs are connecting because the moon is, you know, that deeper level, our soul, our emotions. Mm-hmm. It shows how a person nurtures, you know, how, how they feel emotionally connected to another person So um, and what they're likely to draw in. So you want to make sure that your moon signs are relatively compatible. And then there's Venus. Venus, again, is how we love and what we might look for in a romantic partner. So the compatibility between two Venus signs is super important. Obviously, you want your basic characters to be compatible as well. So we factor in the sun signs. But Mars is your sexuality. Uh Uh-huh. So, you know. You want yeah. that to be lighted up. <laughs> oh, you totally want that to be lit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just also want to say that, you know, if people look at their charts and they see challenges and they think, oh, gosh, you know, my Mars sign is clashing with his or her Mars sign, so therefore we're not sexually compatible and this is not a good relationship or with any sort of position or planetary yeah. um, point in the zodiac. I do believe that it's important and it's likely that you're going to have challenges with a significant relationship because 
that's what we're here to learn about. And I do feel that we tend to draw in relationships and interactions that are going to challenge us, that are going to push our boundaries and push us out of our comfort zone. And that's something to be embraced. And if there are difficulties in the astrology between two people, they are there to be worked on and they can indeed contribute to the growth of the individuals and also the growth and the evolution of the relationship. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah, a work in progress. So there is hope even if there's there's clashes. In, yeah. Uh, yeah. I say embrace the clashes. Really? Know. Yes, I do. Because who really wants to be matched up with a person that doesn't push them? that doesn't, um, you know, bring confronting issues to the fore to be worked on. I like to think that in those challenging circumstances that we grow closer and stronger and more evolved. Obviously, you want that to be in a healthy way and you need to use your own discernment as to whether or not you're in a healthy situation that contributes to your growth, spiritual well-being, as opposed to someone, you know, suppressing you and suppressing that. There's a fine line, isn't there, knowing Mm. that difference? Yes, yeah. It can be very difficult. Yeah, because we're really close to the person and on one hand the ego can be doing one thing and we have to heal aspects of ourselves and then there's knowing, okay, no, this is really unhealthy Yeah, and when we're in it emotionally, it's very difficult to assess and and bring your head into the game and to make that uh, logical, discerning, you know, the decision that's right for you, Yeah, of course, because emotions cloud our judgment. But that's just a balancing act and hopefully if you get to uh, know yourself a little bit better, you can differentiate between, you know, when you're allowing your emotions to cloud your judgment and when you're balancing the two. Yeah. So when you do people's charts together, do you put their charts on top of each other? If it's two people, do you kind of... (laughs) (laughs) Well, kind of, yeah. I mean, yes, in a way, it's called a bi-wheel. Is it? (laughs) A bi-wheel? Yeah, bi-wheel. So what it does is um, you you choose one person, say person A, and that will be the inner circle. Uh And then you will place person B's planetary positions around the outside of that. And then you can see those mathematical connections between the two charts. And then, you know, I I would swap person A with person B. So that is the... Yeah, and that's the bi-wheel and that's one way of looking at how two people and their birth charts are interacting with each other. But there's another um, another way also and it's called Synastry, this version of its relationship astrology, I guess. Yeah. And that's right. when you calculate because astrology is all about different mathematical formulas applied to create different charts to show you different, you know, perspectives. And so you can create a relationship chart and this is an actual chart that looks like a birth chart but it's of the relationship itself. Right. Yeah, which always shows the major challenges. Does it? Without fail. Yes. So don't get scared off by the sinistry charts. Yeah, Yeah. that's fascinating. 
because then what you can do, (laughs) (laughs) then what you can do, like say you've got this one synastry chart, this one chart of the actual relationship, what you can do is placed around that in a bi-wheel is you can put the current planetary positions known as the transits and you can see what's happening in the skies at the current time and how it's affecting your actual relationship. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm. And then I guess so we're talking about relationships. What about money? Because that's something that a lot of us are very affected by. Obviously, we live on a planet where that's the exchange. So how can a person empower themselves financially through their charts? Well, you'd look at certain areas of the chart and certain planetary positions and how, let's say, Venus, in fact, is the the love planet, but it's also the planet that rules money. And so, yeah, so if, say, it's not even your natal Venus, meaning your Venus in your birth chart, let's say it's Venus in the skies. If Venus traveling through the skies is going to affect your birth chart, trigger your birth chart in a favorable way, then you're likely to get a little financial boost or the climate, the cosmic climate, let's say, would be ripe for you to take advantage of any financial opportunities or circumstances or certainly to seek them out. There's also something in astrology called the part of fortune and this is more advanced astrology. It's a mathematical point and this is said to show how someone is likely to make their money and what area they would be, uh, you know, talented in that particular field. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, amongst other things, I mean, the second house is known as the money house. This is more about your cash flow, whereas Mm -hmm. the eighth house is more about investments and the money that you share with other people and your debts and your taxes. So if those areas of your chart, the second house and the eighth house are being triggered by, let's say, a full moon that is showing up in that area, then that is going to have meaning for you financially or a new moon. So how do people get that information? They, well, you could go and see an astrologer. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's always difficult, I think, to read your own chart. But that said, if you're studying astrology and you're really interested in learning more about it, your own chart, it's usually the place people do start. Okay. Um, Yeah. So uh, how would they read it? I mean, I guess that's like sort of asking a doctor, you know, how do I prescribe my own medication? Right. If I can explain it in simple terms, it would again come down to the math. So if a full moon or a planetary position was making an alignment, so it could be that it's in the same spot in the zodiac as you're somewhere in your second or your eighth house, let's say, then that is going to be a trigger or a catalyst. And it will depend. For example, new moons are known to bring about new experiences, new beginnings, fresh starts. So if it was triggering your money house, then it might indicate a fresh start in your financial landscape. Uh, full moons are more about bringing things to culmination you know it's in full bloom in full blossom so maybe a project that you've been working on will come to fruition at the time of the full moon if that area of your chart is being triggered okay yeah interesting yeah so then we're talking about that 
What about health? Is there a way to be able to use astrology to stay well or foresee various health aspects that may come up? Definitely. And the same principle would apply to health as it does to money or love or or any of those sorts of important areas in our life. So with health, it's the sixth house is more of our physical health where the 12th house rules more of our mental health. So again, if those areas in your chart are going to be affected by the planetary positions, then, you know, that's going to affect your your health and your well-being. And the same could be said for if you've got a Virgo house, no matter where it is in your chart, Virgo is the sign of health and well-being. So that is also adding that extra layer. Saturn and Neptune are traditionally known to be, you know, very closely associated with health issues. Yeah. And I mean, you can also look at, it's not just about the current uh, planetary positions and triggering times of maybe more fragile health or more robust health, but of course you're going to have patterns in your own chart, in your birth chart, that can show whether you're someone that's inclined to be, you know, fragile, whether you have a tendency towards, uh, you know, more delicate mental health and you need to constantly fortify that and work towards, you know, uh, reinforcing and rebuilding, that can be seen in the birth chart. So if you have a Saturn Neptune pattern in your chart, that could indicate a health issue. But I would also like to say because... I have seen a chart with, it was really challenging, really challenging chart involving Saturn and Neptune and some other placements that to me screamed illness and right. health challenges. And, I, you know, it was somebody very close to me. So I was very worried when I saw this chart. And what I came to understand is that the chart is not just of the person themselves, but it shows the entire life experience the connections you'll make, the job you might have. So this person may well not have any health issues whatsoever, but they might work in the health industry. They might become Ah. a doctor themselves. So if you, yeah, and if you do have Saturn or Neptune triggering your sun or your moon, you know, that would be an indicator for, you know, a more fragile period of your health and well-being. And what I would advise my clients to do during that period is mm. to really work towards manifesting those energies in a positive way. We used to say in astrology school, use the energy or get used by it. So it's very much about trying to utilize that energy and channel it in a positive direction. So that might look a little bit, well, for example, I had that happen to me. I had sat moving through my 12th house triggering my Neptune, Saturn Neptune in the 12th. Uh, and I did go through right. a bit of a depression for the first and only time in my life. Really? Yeah. Recently? No, this oh. was a few years back. And okay. it was bewildering to me because it was so foreign. You know, it was a foreign state of mind. I've got a Sagittarius rising. You know, I'm generally yeah. very positive and upbeat and, you know, where there's yes. a will, there's is my motto, which I inherited from my Sagittarian mother. <laughs> but I did go through this and look this Saturn will make one revolution around the chart every 29 or so 30 years so we are going to experience that at some point in time but 
during that time, I knew it was coming. I didn't completely escape it, and you may not, but what I did do is just kind of use up that energy as best I could so it didn't completely consume me. And I went and volunteered at an aged care facility um, and did a lot of work on my own health and well-being as well in terms of, you know, going to see a naturopath and doing some detoxing and that sort of thing. Oh, that's amazing that you did do that. Yeah. <laughs> Can family lineage come into our charts as well? Absolutely. Really? In fact, yeah, back at astrology school, we're going back there again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One of the best ways of studying the patterns is to look at charts of families. And we looked oh. and studied very closely the charts of the royal families. And what you oh. do find, yeah, it's so fascinating. What you do find is that, you know, I think Harry's a Taurus, Charles is a Scorpio, but then you'll see that's the sun signs. But then when you really look more deeply into it, you'll see the patterns between the moon signs that so they'll have the same moon sign or the sun and the moon will be swapped over. And then there's the rising sign as well. So they'll have the same uh, zodiac signs present in the chart, but it may just be swapped around in the planets within the chart. Right. So, for example, my daughter and I have very similar patterns. So I'm a Gemini sun with a Leo moon, a Sagittarius rising, Leo midheaven. She uh -huh. is a Gemini moon, Leo sun, so the moon and the sun swapped, okay. with the same Sagittarian rising and the same uh, Leo midheaven. The midheaven, by the oh. way, for those who don't know, represents, it's the zenith of our chart and it represents our career and our life direction and life vocation. Yeah. You know, speaking about the royal family, when I lived in England, I was studying astrology a little bit and my teacher and I, we went through the royal family, just as a, you know, an example. And, um, and he said that Will and Kate were going to marry because he put the charts together and ah. he said they were going to marry. And then they broke up and ah. I'm like, oh, okay, they've broken up. And then I think about six months later, they got back together and got married. And it was like, oh, that's so fascinating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and he might have seen Jupiter happening on there in their sinistry chart or something. But I will just say also that astrology is not actually like this is a crazy thing from an astrologer to say, but astrology is not the be all and end all. You know, it shows us the planetary yeah. patterns and cosmic climate that we're working with. And beyond that, we really have free will to make our choices. Um, right. And I think it's so important that we do step up to that responsibility and step up to that task. Right. And we can obviously change our timelines and things like that based on that knowledge too. Like it's empowering knowledge. It's absolutely empowering. And that's what I love about astrology is yeah. that you can work with what you're given. I mean, that said, sometimes we're given a bag of lemons and, <laughs> you know, we have to work with that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, it's the end of the world, we can always choose to express the light side of what we're given, the light expression, as opposed to uh, wallow in or fall back into the shadow expression of a planetary combination or transit. Right. And so then I guess speaking about that, so we're in 2023, 
Is there any interesting things we should be aware of in general as we continue into the year? It's flying, but yeah. <laughs> wow, that is a loaded question. And the Woo! answer is yes. <laughs> My God. And this week, in fact, this week oh. is the week, the astrological week of the entire year. Because really? we've got the, yeah, it's just huge astrology, like once in a lifetime type of astrology. Really? Mm. We've got the equinox, which has just happened. So the equinox yes. is marked by the sun's entry into Aries. So this marks yes. a brand new astrological year. That happens every year. That's okay. our new astrological year marker. Okay. And then we have literally 24 hours after that, which just occurred, oh, exactly, wow, oh, no, give or take 20 minutes. So it, it occurred about 12 hours ago from when we're speaking now. Wow. And that was the new moon in Aries. But so a new moon signifies new beginnings. Aries is the first sign of the zodiac. So it's often associated with, you know, uh, new beginnings and pioneering activity, setting new uh, and establishing new patterns and so on. But it's in zero degrees of Aries. And what that means is that zero degrees is the very start of any sign. But being zero degrees of Aries is the very beginning point of the zodiac. Wow, that's so, intense. Yeah, I've been calling it a cosmic trifecta of fresh starts and new beginnings. Wow. Yeah, and then and then da, 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 we have Pluto's <laughs> move into Aquarius, which oh. is actually occurring on yeah on the twenty third Aussie time that is. Yeah, and Pluto hasn't been in Aquarius since the late seventeen hundreds. Wow, that's insane. It so is. So, what does that mean for us? Well, it's quite layered. So I feel that, you know, on a collective level, the last time Pluto was in Aquarius, this was the time of the first industrial revolution. So I do believe we're going to be seeing a lot of advancements in industry. Uh -huh. um, Aquarius is a highly uh, techie sign. So huge developments in technology. And, you know, we're already seeing this with our, you know, chat GPT. I think Web3 is up and coming to lead us into the next phase of the internet. But I will say too that Pluto is, it likes to reveal the shadow side of things. Pluto is associated with the underworld and the underbelly of astrology. So this may well bring up the more negative shadow side of our technology possibly we'll see this with fraud and that you know that how they are overlaying the faces onto other people's bodies and oh, yeah yeah yes. that sort of thing so i think we'll have to be dealing with with that i also yeah. feel that pluto in aquarius will open up the climate change conversation and we'll be looking to further our renewable energy solutions. So that's wonderful right. news for the planet. Yeah. Um, Pluto and Aquarius will not be a fan of fossil fuel. And right. also this will be a move to support the minority groups of humanity. The For aged care, I think we'll see some support, you know, further support for aged care uh -huh. um, and the disadvantaged. 
So, yes, um, Pluto does love to fight for the underdog. In terms of how it will affect you personally, so this is more of a global collective effect, but there are personal effects depending on where Pluto will be travelling through in a person's birth chart. So depending on that area or that house, if you know your chart and you know your Aquarius house, then that's where you can expect huge uh, changes, transformation. This is the type of transformation, though, that comes from the inside out. It's profound. It's long-lasting. This is a slow burn because Pluto does go into Aquarius and then it retrogrades back into Capricorn a couple of times before it settles into Aquarius and for the next 20 years. Oh, really? So, yeah. So you you got time. you got time <laughs> to make these changes, but they're going to be deep, uh, personal, possibly a little painful. You know, we'll have to really look within to uh, to create this change. But, yeah, that's depending on where your Aquarius house is. Well, Aquarius is my sun sign. It is. Yeah. So that's, yeah. So for you, for Aquarians out there, then this is going to be just especially profound. Right. With the sort of changes developing over the years where you will look back and you will say, I'm a completely different person to who I was back then. Yeah. Okay. It's like, Strong think in. of it, <laughs> think of it, and I don't mean to freak people out at all, but so think of it like going into your cocoon and emerging as a beautiful butterfly and spreading your wings. So it's like a metamorphosis. Yes, a metamorphosis, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Particularly for Aquarians. Particularly for Aquarians, yes. Or, you know, if you've got an Aquarian moon, then that's going to also be hugely impactful. If you have Venus in Aquarius, then this is going to impact your love and relationships and possibly your finances, you know, so there is a unique spin that you can put on it to make this a bit more personal. Uh-huh. And is there anything else this year that we should be aware of? We have a total solar eclipse coming up, and that is in the final degrees of Aries. Uh-huh. So, yeah, and uh, an eclipse has different areas in the world where that particular eclipse is best viewed from. And this one coming up on the 20th of April is best viewed from parts of Asia and Western Australia, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. So eclipses, I mean, you know, eclipses are a a whole program probably in themselves. They can be very unpredictable. So I think the best advice with an eclipse is to prepare for the unexpected. Don't organise an event or something important to happen on an eclipse because you can literally, information can be eclipsed from you and you don't really have everything you need to know at hand. But it can also be hugely transformational as well. That's good to know. That's really good advice. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I I hope so. Helps someone out there. (laughs) Yes, to really stay flexible. But at the same time, Eclipses can eclipse people and outdated paradigms, patterns, situations from our lives. Mm -hmm. And I find that with solar eclipses, it can tend to be when you're dealing with people and waving goodbye to certain people who aren't supporting you, a solar eclipse can often wave goodbye to a male 
from your life and a lunar eclipse can be saying goodbye to a female or falling out. Yeah, you might have a falling out or however the exit happens, you know. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's such incredible information. Is there anything you. you want to add to this? Oh, gosh, I just am so grateful that astrology is being embraced more and more. I think that Pluto's move into Aquarius will really see that happening exponentially because Aquarius is also the sign of the astrologer and astrology. Yeah, so all I can say is that I'm grateful for the opportunity to get to share a little bit more about astrology and its complexities. Hopefully people understand that there is so much more to them than their sun sign because there's so much more to astrology. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you so much. Pleasure, beautiful. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in and see you again next week for another episode of The Food for Beauty. Remember to follow me on Instagram, The Food for Beauty and Rochelle Vincenta Von K. I hope you have a fantastic week and see you on the other side. Please like, rate and share. I'd love to hear from you.